0: Welcome back to the Get and Grit Podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. I was once just a piece of clay, but then I was placed on a spinning wheel, and suddenly I began to take shape. And I was thrown into an oven, and I would never felt such heat. I was brushed and painted all over, and thrown back into the oven again. This time it was twice as hot. I thought I would never make it. I was ready to give up. But then I was handed a mirror and the potter said to me look at yourself that's not me I said that couldn't be me I'm so beautiful I could not wait to show the world and off I went but teacups have no legs and so I fell and the fall was hard and I lay in pieces but the potter picked me up and knitted me back together and then he said to me now you are what I had in mind when I first began with you CNN writer Thomas Lake wrote a story about Richard Phillips, a man with a habit of singing. Usually without words, just deep and joyful sounds would rise from his soul. Two days after, he and Richard Palombo were sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Gregory Harris in 1972. Phillips began to write poetry. He was 26 years old, had left high school in the 10th grade, and now he had plenty of time to write, saying there was no time for self-pity. He took a job in the prison's license plate factory, earning $100 a month plus bonuses. Four years later, he had enough money to pay a good lawyer, which began a long list of appeals. You see, Phillips was innocent. In 1979, Phillips, who had not seen his children over 2,000 days, saw a man named Fred Mitchell, newly incarcerated, now in the same facility. Fred Mitchell was the true killer, and he had framed Phillips by striking fear into his accomplice, Richard Palombo. Richard Palombo would remain silent about the crime for... Thirty-nine disastrous years. But now Phillips would wait until Fred Mitchell reached the blind spot, a well-known location in the yard where the cameras couldn't reach and the guards couldn't see. He would stab that knife into Mitchell's neck. It would feel like justice. When Phillips was 12 years old, his stepfather's watch disappeared. The belt his stepfather used tore into the boy's hide without mercy. Did you steal my watch, boy? finally the boy answered yes, just to make it stop. The young man who emerged from that beating told himself that he would never make a false confession again, because lies just require more lies. Not long after Phillips was on the streets of Detroit teaching himself how to survive, as you might expect, he made the friend who would later betray him, Fred Mitchell. But Phillips grew up a little bit more as time passed on and found a better path working and making good money. But it didn't last. He was a man who charmed the young ladies. One day, a girlfriend named Teresa told him she was pregnant and the baby was his. Phillips stayed with Teresa and her daughter was born. And they got married and had a son. In 1971, the year Phillips turned 25, things began to unravel. Phillips began living a double life, dangerous and unsustainable. A drug addict by night and a father by day. Is it true that we all have a thousand possible lives or maybe a million? Does the clay say to the potter, make me this way or make me that? Phillips had been drawing art in prison with just pencils since the mid-80s. In 1990, he decided to send away for an acrylic paint set. But by accident, what came back was an Academy watercolor paint set. An accident that would change the course of his life. He taught himself to paint. He got it wrong, then he got it right. He read art books and ended up completing over 400 paintings during his incarceration. Listening to the likes of John Coltrane and Miles Davis, he lost himself in jazz and his work, forgiving about his endless appeals and searching for a judge who might just believe him. He painted so much that the artwork piled up in his cell and he feared it would be confiscated, so he, he began mailing the paintings to a pen pal in upstate New York. She kept his paintings safe, hoping he would pick them up someday. On October twentieth, two 2009, the Michigan Parole Board granted Phillips a public hearing, and they said if he said the right things, the governor might commute his life sentence, and he might go free. He was 63 years old now, and he had spent 38 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So your testimony today, the assistant attorney general said, is that you had absolutely nothing to do with Mr. Harris's death. Nothing in the world, Phillips said, interrupting the question. Nothing and so he went back to his cell to wait for a commuted sentence that never came. Eight years later, Richard Palumbo finally told the truth. You see, Fred Mitchell was dead now, and he didn't have to fear him any longer. He told the court a newly re- in a newly reopened trial that I didn't meet Mr. Phillips until July 4, 1971. It was at a barbecue, which was about eight days after the murder. Phillips was offered a deal. He could plead guilty and walk away with time served, but Phillips responded in true form. I'd rather die in prison than admit to something I didn't do. On March 28, 2018, the judge signed an order dismissing the case against Phillips. He struggled for a while on the outside, unable to find a job, overwhelmed by a world he could barely recognize. Then he thought of the paintings, all 400 of them. The first one sold for $500 each. Even the judge who acquitted him bought one. As the story spread, he began to sell for upwards of 5,000 dollars each. Asked if you ever imagined an alternate life, a life without Fred Mitchell in it and 46 years in prison, the longest-known wrongful prison sentence ever. He said, "That is so hard to think of. I'm 73 years old now." In that prison yard back in '79, that cold knife under my sleeve, Fred Mitchell walking toward the blind spot, a debt payable in blood, a life for a life. I felt dead already. They would bury me in a pauper's grave anyway, but at least I'd get that feeling of that knife going in. And then I heard a voice flickering in my mind. Don't kill him, because you still might have a chance to get out of here. As hope lingered on, Philip stayed in his cell, painting his way to freedom. Now he rides on the open highway, knitted back together again, singing that song, always old, forever fresh, full of spirit. Yes, God does take the broken teacups and knits them back together again anew. Singer and songwriter Zach Williams wrote, Oh, I have days I lose the fight, try my best, but just don't get it right. Where I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes. Somebody with a hurt that I could have helped. Somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, and a little less like me. Ain't it so? This is Getting Grit, signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum.